Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHK as I'm known, and it is a Netflix spectacular week. I've got Operation Mincemeat, which is a World War II British set spy movie. And then there's Senior Year, which is Rebel Wilson's latest comedy. And then The Return of Bling Empire. First up is a film called Operation Mincemeat. It is apparently based on a true story and it takes place during World War II in the 1940s. And it centers around a group of British intelligence agents trying to foil Hitler. It stars a bunch of very famous British people. It has Colin Firth, Matthew McFadden, Kelly MacDonald, Penelope Wilton, Jason Isaacs, Johnny Flynn, Mark Gaddis, and Alex Jennings, and then some other people you'll probably recognize. And I wish I cared more about this movie. I am not someone who's necessarily a World War II buff. So, you know, that's I, I know there's an audience for that. And I think they'll probably generally like this film. I think the thing I, I noticed about it is that Tonally, actually, the first half of it, and it's about two hours and eight minutes, the first half of it, I was like, oh, this is not as depressing as a lot of World War II movies you get, right? Obviously, super serious time, you know, as people who are living through, I, I've currently lived through many wars myself at this point, but I get how depressing it can be. Obviously, not the same as the time during World War II, but oftentimes when we deal with this sort of subject matter, we treat it very, very seriously, as we should, or... You can go in this extreme gore violence direction, or you can do like a Quentin Tarantino and Glorious Bastards thing. But this one, I was like, oh, you know what? This isn't so depressing so far. It's more about the espionage and things like that. Also, just straight up, Ian Fleming, author of James Bond, is a character in this because Ian Fleming, author of James Bond, was actually in the British Intelligence Service. So I thought it was maybe supposed to be like a, a James Bond origin story. And they keep bringing that point back every once in a while. He's played by Johnny Flynn. There are all these jokes about like, people writing books during this time but then they keep focusing on the relationship between Colin Firth and Matthew McFadden and you know it's so Operation Mincemeat involved uh, apparently using a corpse and planting info on this corpse in order to misdirect the Germans and then the movie follows you know like setting this up and, and all these things and espionage and counter espionage and all this stuff and again I just I thought it was going to be like lighter hearted and then it takes a more serious tone. It's, the stakes are clearly very, very real based on the settings. But at the same time, the stakes don't feel as intense for the characters or there's just something about the way that it comes together that didn't feel as perilous as I maybe wanted it to. And then there's just like pettiness between the characters. And I get it. It's supposed to be about the relationships between them in the context of this larger sort of conflict that's going on. But everything that they're sort of upset at each other about is is kind of like okay well you know look at the rest of what's going on right now like you work together or don't I don't know um you know I think it's fine I think if you are someone who enjoys this type of film the world just this studying this sort of era through every medium you'll enjoy this film fine if you are someone who's not looking for a gory bloody violent or sad you know always in the trenches battlefield stuff world war ii movie this could be a decent entry for you and again, I did. I learned something during it. It just felt like the impact of it. And again, I think this is true to the actual impact of the thing. It's like, oh, it had a huge impact on the war. It's just so quiet because it was a clandestine operation, right? And so I, you know, it just didn't quite mesh for me. I didn't have a bad time watching it, but I was like, oh, I wish I cared more about this because the actors are all fine. You know, they're all good actors, obviously. I just, there's just something that didn't quite push it over the top for me of being like, oh, wow, this was a great movie. So I personally am going to give it 3.5 out of 5. I might be being a little bit generous, but I, again, I don't think it was a bad movie. I'm going to take a quick break and be right back. And I'm back. Next up is a film called Senior Year, and it stars Rebel Wilson. And she plays a character who, in her senior year of high school, falls in a 
a tragic accident, goes into a coma for 20 years, and then wakes up later and wants to go back to high school. And the biggest sort of head-scratching question I have about this film is, who is this for? Like, what age audience is this geared at? And that's not to say you can, you know, you can aim something at a certain age and be inclusive of other audiences, but they're, the, the cultural referencing for me was the most confusing part because, you know, Rebel Wilson's character is supposed to be 37, give or take. She graduated or would have graduated high school in 2002. And so that means people in their 30s, you know, would be the ones who would probably be the target audience of this. But then there's all the sort of youth culture of her going back to school and things like that. And and the school she goes back to is, you know, it's very sort of utopian and not in many senses. Obviously, I'm very far removed from high school, so I don't know what it's like to be in high school these days. And I respect the uh, informedness of modern youth audiences and, and youth in general and like political activism and, and things like that. And I don't envy having to have been on social media at the time, but it's just some of it I was like, this is almost too confusing for me as a, as a, as an old myself, but it's also not sort of dramatic enough for a generation who's, you know, it's, this is not to say it's an accurate portrayal, but their portrayal of high school is things like euphoria, right? So this fe- fell more into a category of like a clueless, which is slightly, well, no, I guess it's about the right range for somebody who's in their 30s, like later 30s. But either way, it took me until about like halfway or two thirds of the way through the movie to truly draw the conclusion, oh, okay, this is meant for a more nostalgic reaching uh, audience. And, and, you know, the cast is good. I, I like Rebel Wilson a lot. She's trying to do this thing where, she, I mean, she's doing her brand of comedy. So if you don't like her sort of, you know, the the one-off jabs and saying like slightly gross things, uh, this probably isn't going to be for you. Uh, Zoe Chow is also in it. Sam Richardson, both who are in the after party, which I think is amazing. Mary Holland, Justin Hartley, Chris Parnell, uh, Angry Rice plays young uh, Rebel Wilson, who I think did an amazing job of embodying the Rebel Wilson sort of persona we know today. I thought it was funny at times, but at times I was just like, I wish this was funnier. I wish this was either more earnest, which it does try to do at points. You know, it, it to me, it felt like it was trying to be a clueless and taking some playbook from, you know, Pretty in Pink, things like that. It's It's drawing from all the classic high school films, which I don't think we see as much anymore, but possibly with good reason. I wish it had either tried to be more earnest or maybe, and I don't know if this would hold up, so I don't, I'm nervous about making this, but almost more American Pie-ish, where it was just so ridiculous and so absurd that it pushed it a little bit, but in a hopefully clever way. Not American Pie was not clever, but at least it was like, yeah, kids are probably doing these things. I don't know if any of the kids in I mean, I guess some of them are doing the things that, that, you know, the younger version or that the modern high schoolers are doing. But either way, I wanted it to be more. I thought it had potential. I came in with low expectations. So at least there's that. There are a couple moments that I legitimately laughed very hard at because of the age I'm at and because of certain references. And I don't want to spoil them. But they came in the second half of the movie. And by that point, I was kind of like, meh. And also the logic of the movie is flawed. And I know I shouldn't be picking at that for a movie that is not trying to be anything. You know, when you wake up from 20 years after a coma, like you need to address certain things in this film. And yet they didn't. And or, or it was like she knew certain things right away or had no trouble adjusting and all this stuff. And we're just meant to accept it, but then had trouble with other. I, you know, again, I might be reading too much into this. It's it's a fine watch. If you like Rebel Wilson, it's a fine watch. If you don't like Rebel Wilson, you'll, you'll hate this movie. You know, this is just, it is clearly written for her or someone like her. 
either way, I'm going to give it a three out of five. I might be being a little bit generous. But there were enough pops of moments that I was like, oh, hey, that's kind of funny to say eh, eh, it's a ba- background watch. It's a background watch. And then the last thing I have this week is the return of my beloved Bling Empire, which is sort of the, the Asian reality show. It's like a, a housewife show and a little bit of crazy rich Asians and all that stuff. And one of my biggest complaints about this season is I wanted there to be more. It felt very short. It's eight episodes. They're like half hour each. I was just like, what is happening here? Like, it's already over because, yes, I blazed through it immediately because you can't put that show in front of me and not expect me not to watch it right away. So this is going to be a fast watch for everyone. Uh, a lot of the characters or people, I guess they're people technically, from season one are back. In fact, I think everyone from season one is back. And then we're joined this time by lots of new people. But it, because the season is so short and everything is so condensed, we don't really get to dive too much into them. You know, I think we also, um, there are some very serious and truly dramatic storylines that could be explored, but they don't go into it. And I don't know if they don't go into it because the people involved didn't want to get into it or because they ran out of time or because they're trying to tease it out into another season. But it was kind of a bummer. Um, You know, some of the people they add are people who had been on reality TV before. Dorothy Wong, who I guess was on Rich Kids of Beverly Hills. Her father's a billionaire. Um, Mimi Morris, who was an interesting character. I don't know if she's been on TV before, but she's like barely in it. And then there's Jamie Shi, who uh, I don't remember from season one, but she gets a lot of screen time in this one. (laughs) I was just like, I I don't know who you are, but you are not interesting television. Uh, You are a, okay, you're being used as a catalyst for this, but uh, for the social group here, but Either way, I was just happy to see Anna Shea back in her fabulous billionaire, selfish or millionaire. I don't know, but she's probably a billionaire, um, you know, showing also like older characters or older people and women on screen can have fulfilling and interesting lives. There's just a bunch of dumb pettiness in it, and which is exactly what you want from the show. I just wish they had done more and I wish the season had been slightly more cohesive. Um, I felt like season one, you know, and I could just be rose colored glasses in this because I don't rose colored glasses. I don't know. Um, But I, I, you know, I didn't go back and watch it in advance of this because you don't really need to. You just need to know it's a bunch of rich, good looking people. Um, But yeah, I felt like season one was a little more cohesive and this was just sort of slapped together. Maybe we'll get a second half of the season. I don't think so, but it felt unfinished. So that's my only criticism of it in that I wanted more. So Bling Empire is out on Netflix now. That has been it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.